<clears throat> Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. I'm back. I haven't been in for a couple of weeks, but uh, excited to talk to you guys today about what's been happening with the questions and comments that have come in this week and the suggestions. Oh my gosh, we've gotten so many suggestions of props or actors or scenes. And of course, I'm referring to the mnemonic devices we use to remember character components, uh, pinion initials and finals. But what keeps sort of slowly dawning on me is this is happening over and over. And as we're cataloging all of the suggestions and making sure that we're keeping track is that the Mandarin blueprint method is genuinely now turning into something that is far greater than the original structure that Luke and I built. And what I mean by that is that if we make a suggestion like, okay, this character component could be represented by, say, a can opener. Maybe it looks like a can opener or there's something about it that kind of makes you feel like, okay, this is kind of like opening something, so we'll say a can opener. Well, now you might get another five or six suggestions from other people who've taken the course, which on mass means that it's so unlikely that you'll lack for an idea on any particular front of, in the system, whether it's a person to represent a uh, alphabet letter or it's a place to represent the pinion final. Well, essentially, you're not going to have to be all that creative. And that's what makes, you know, you want the creativity to come in at the level of remembering a character forever. And it's a small amount of creativity, but you don't want to waste your creative energy on the mechanical tools of the method. And the fact that everybody is now submitting their own individual suggestions and the suggestions are piling up to a point where we're you know we're definitely well into the hundreds of prop suggestions if not over a thousand suggestions and that's just you know people having the uh, kindness in their heart to leave a comment for the other people who will come after them it's very much a pay it forward type of thing because of course they've already chosen their prop for this particular uh, character component so they're just leaving a little breadcrumb trail for people who will come in in the future. And so that's pretty cool. And actually, why don't we go ahead and start with some of the suggestions that came in this week to be objects to represent individual character components that we call props. Now, because we had a lot of props this week, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. So the first one comes from Daniel Collison on pick a prop for Wu, which means noon. He says, I've chosen a cowboy tilting his hat as the prop looks like a hat rack, but also linking in high noon through the cowboy, right? So our original suggestion was it uh, means noon, a duel between cowboys happens at high noon, but he took a little look at how the prop appears. It looks like it's a hat rack. So having that tilting his hat like a hat rack, perfect. You're combining the meaning with the appearance of the actual component. Next, we have Julian Laffey on the pick a prop for the uh, snowflake component. This is sort of an alternate version of shui, which means water. So this component is sometimes, th this water component is sometimes written just a slightly different way. And we suggest thinking of a di different prop for that. And he said, I found a snowflake difficult to visualize. So I went instead with snow or snowball. Perfectly fine. Now, maybe in the future, we would have suggested snowball for something, but it doesn't matter. When you reach that point, you can just pick something else because as we've learned from all of these suggestions the amount of possibilities for what your brain can map a an object on like what it can do to map an object onto a particular character component there's almost infinite possibilities Chad Ressler on pick a prop for new or lady she picked he, or he picked Jolin Tsai um, and Jolin is uh, a Chinese actress very very uh elegant and so I can understand why he would pick her to be the prop for new. Will Henry on pick a prop for this is a, a pure component so I it doesn't necessarily it may actually have a pronunciation but it's not really necessary to know the pronunciations of various individual components that aren't also characters and this is the component that is well you'll see it on the screen here it's essentially uh, it wraps 
within a component. It goes a vertical line to the left, horizontal line in the top, and then a uh, that hockey stick final hooked line at the bottom there, or on the on the right side. And that is an empty frame, according to Will Henry. And I like that because it does kind of look like an empty frame because the bottom of it, you know, if you're going to put a picture into an empty frame, you have to, some, some of them, you open up the bottom section to fit the picture inside. So that's exactly what it looks like. And it's a good choice. Julian Laffey on pick a prop for Dong. So this is the character that means heavy, and it's going to be used later, especially in the character for understand Dong. So I have dumbbell. I have dumbbells as a prop already, which is one of our suggestions. After all, they're heavy. So I went with a a hydraulic press. The character looks like something being squashed in a press. So fair enough. Yeah, that's kind of actually I can see that. Yeah, yeah. A hydraulic press, something you'd find at the gym, and it's um. I like that because it does look like kind of like a person's being squeezed in by that uh, particular hydraulic press. Next, we have Ellery Hall on pick a prop for show, which means hand. And he says, how about the hamburger helper hand? Well, I say, how about it? That's great. Yeah, I remember those commercials. <laughs> I always felt like the hamburger helper hand uh, had the potential to have like a horror element to it. So if in any of your scenes, uh, Ellery, you feel like, Suddenly, the hamburger hel helper hand is turned into uh, the main character in a horror film. Well, you know, that's perfectly fine. I'll help you by turning you into a hamburger. All right, so next we have Ija Amrahi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Ija, or if it's Ija. I apologize. Uh, pick a prop for Le, which kind of looks a lot like an ice axe. And I know what she's saying, so it's kind of like... Um, now, she might be referring to a couple of different things, but one of the things, we, we recommended a hatchet for this because it sort of looks like a hatchet, but uh, when when she said uh, ice hack, I thought, okay, ice axe. I thought, this is almost like those things that are, those ice things that def get the frost off of your windshield on a car, and I was like, oh, well, maybe it's that uh, is what she means, or maybe she means a nice pick, I'm not sure, but either way, as long as it is clearly a representation of luh, no problem. Will Henry on pick a prop for duel, Gary Kasparov or Master Samwise Gamgee, and so I like that. So, um, so duel means master or like sort of main is sort of its more uh, grammatical usage, but it can also if you just say Ren, that means a master, a person who is a uh, the master of a cat or a dog, you might say that the dog's Ren is Sally or something like that. So, um, and so Master Samwise Gamgee, sure. Gary Kasparov, I must admit, I don't know who he's referring to there, but either way, uh, it must have a master in the uh, sort of what is associated with that person. William Edmides on pick a prop for uh, the temple prop and he says an inca temple why not hey whichever temple is the most iconic to you and i like that because you know there's all sorts of different types of whatever prop you're trying to choose so sometimes it's the type that is what makes it profound in your memory so a temple well there's lots of temples and there's there's buddhist temples there's Taoist temples there's um uh, temples that you'll find that are you know, deep in the wilderness in Cambodia, but there's also Inca temples, and whichever one you find to be the most iconic, that's the one that you should pick, because by, it's sort of an axiomatic truth that if you find it to be iconic, then it's memorable, because how else did it become iconic to you? So, next, we have William Edmides again on the pick-a-prop for, uh, this is bamboo when it's on the top, section of a character and he says two bamboo light fittings perfectly and like and there are two little fittings there they're usually above the character so them being on top and a light fixture is often you know on the ceiling so perfect that's great um next pick a prop for men which is of course the the component that means door and we have Boo's Pink Door from Monsters, Inc. And, uh, you know, I, I saw Monsters, Inc. ages ago, but it I do remember, of course, that door was very significant uh, in the movie. So that's a great option. Again, if you can pick something from a movie, then that's like previous writers doing their creativity for you. So good stuff. Next, we have Jennifer, oh gosh, Koch. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jennifer. You've been making a lot of comments. It's been very awesome. Um 
It could be like Koshi or something. Kosh. Uh, pick a prop for Tsi. And this is the character for seven. And she says, I chose the Harry Potter books. They were seven in total. And I can clearly see the book bundle in my mind because they are probably my most read books. Well, I um, this is one of those things that my instinct is to say that this is not a good prop. But then I think about it and I go, well... I read Harry Potter a lot as a kid, and I bet you I would know, yeah, of course there were seven books. That's, like, so clear to me that there's seven, and they were, like, colorful colors. And so you could imagine, I can imagine it, too, pretty easily. So if I'm going to say that the point of mnemonic visualization is to not imagine text and imagine objects and make sure the association with the object is clear, I can't actually see anything wrong with it. The initial instinct is to go, like, uh, well, there's so many things associated with Harry Potter. Why seven? But the fact that it's like that bundle and how they are uh, fit together like that and how there was clearly seven books and how the anticipation for each book was big, you know, it's. I think it'll be perfectly fine. All right, next we have Will Hen Henry on pick a prop for this. Again, it doesn't really necessarily have, it's a pure component. It doesn't have a, uh, a pronunciation that I'm aware of, but it's um, basically the the left side person component with one extra stroke on the top. And he said, this looks like someone with two wings on their back, so I'll go with an angel. Sure, absolutely. And it's always good when you can pick one that is just, it looks like that. Because then when you imagine the angel in your scene, you just make the wings kind of maybe have that parallel to the back type of look about them. And there you go, got it, no problem. William on pick a prop for Ty, which is the character for Platform, going to pick Mario from Super Mario Brothers as this platform game is instantly recognizable. So this is interesting because, of course, he's going with a uh, an abstract version of this character's meaning. I mean, of course, a platform is a real object, but he's going with, okay, Super Mario Brothers was the... Uh, most recognizable game on the platform Nintendo and uh, I think this should work fine and as it, as it happens there is a character a word in Chinese ping tai ping tai and ping tai means platform so if you want to say like oh we're on the uh, uh, Himalaya FM podcast platform in China that's what they would say Himalaya ping tai Himalaya Ping Tai. That would be the meaning of this is the platform for hosting these podcasts. Now we have Michael Horn on pick a prop for Shang, and he picked the uh, up periscope. And of course, that's great because it's exactly that even looks a lot like Shang. So Shang means above. You put the up periscope, you go up the submarine, and it even looks a lot like it because you have the the um, telescope picking uh sticking out from the top part of the periscope and of course you've got the bottom where they're holding the two handles so it looks a lot like shang as it is uh that's great and of course it goes above the water that's perfect chad on pick a prop for xi which means west i went with doc holiday as played by val kilmer in the movie tombstone well i haven't seen that movie so i We'll take your word for it, Chad, that this uh, this is a good prop. And hey, that's what I love about this, everybody giving their own suggestions, is that this is an example of how Luke and I could not possibly give all the possible suggestions, because I couldn't give that suggestion. I've never seen that movie, but it's um, somebody has. So hopefully somebody will see that and be like, oh, Chad, thanks for the recommendation. Jennifer Koch on Pick a Prop for Shu. Uh, so this is the character that means tongue. She says... I love this idea. In German, the Pokemon is called Schlurp, which even sounds a bit like Schur. Thanks for the suggestion. She was, I believe she was responding to one of uh, uh, our other clients. It might have been Chad. Suggesting, oh, right, it was Licky Tongue. Somebody said Licky Tongue should be a, um, a su uh, prop suggestion for tongue because Licky Tongue is, of course, in the name. But it was like, I swear, if you, if you know Pokemons, you've got so many options. It's funny, I wanted to say... Pokemon, <laughs> just there because of the Chinese plurality that you get with men. <laughs> anyway, so if you know the Pokemon monsters, oh my gosh! I mean, I, I know a few of them just from culture, but uh, if you know a lot of them, there are so many options because essentially the Pokemon monsters were meant to be. Hey, this is a, like a fire monster, and this is an ice monster, and this is like a tongue-based monster, and so they they already picked a bunch of categories for things, so they'd be great for choosing character component uh, representations. So apparently there's one called Schlurp. 
and I like that, of course. Uh, Will Henry on pick a prop for Tian, uh, just an airplane. And hey, that's fine because if you're going to airplanes go up in the sky, simple. William and Meadies on pick a prop for Xiao. Can't get can't get much smaller than an atom, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, sure, absolutely. And atoms, uh, I think we make a recommendation of an atom at one point, but again, it doesn't matter because you can just use the one something else when you get to that point. I, I think that um, you know it might have been for Nate, but even still, there's so many other things you could cho- choose for that. So let's see, Will Henry on pick a prop for Guan, which means. Uh, to close, and he says, prop a simple closed sign that you might find in the window of a shop or restaurant. Simple, yeah, absolutely, and that's a that's an iconic enough sign, and um, you know that also reminds me of a, a Mitch Hedberg joke where he said, I was walking by the dry cleaner at 3 a.m., and they said, sorry, we're closed. You don't have to be sorry. I do not expect you to be open right now, but that's still, it's a, that's just another association you can make. These types of things are what help you quickly come up with the prop, and then if you quickly come up with the prop and quickly come up with the actor and the set, all you got to do is a quick little mnemonic scene, and the next thing you know, you've got a character pretty well memorized a few Anki reviews later, and it is memorized. It's amazing. All right. Next, we have a few actor suggestions. That's all of our prop suggestions. As always, if you're not sure what all of this stuff is about, why we're picking objects to represent character components, you can check out the blog posts that are always linked in this podcast. So next, we have actors. Deborah Jansen on casting call for L. Uh, Liberace, flamboyant and very easy to fit into any scene with his outrageous costumes, piano, and candelabras. So perfect, yeah. Somebody who has a big old um, sort of... Uh, personality, they're great to choose for your actors. Uh, casting call for T, Mr. T. Okay, so it's okay if you want to use this as an exception, but I would recommend using Mr. T for um, the fictional characters because he was, you know, of course, on the A team, which is a fictional show, and he was a fictional character on the show. And so I would recommend using him for TU because. T by itself should theoretically be a male who is um, a real person. But uh, if you want to make an exception for Mr. T, I mean, his name literally is Mr. T. So if we're going to say that the casting call for T creates Mr. T, well, that seems fine to me. Michael Horn on casting call for F-U, so fool, and I picked Elmer Fudd. Perfect. That's an example of a good fictional character. And then Ija, who's always giving us great like lists. She doesn't just think of one usually. For SU, she goes Superman, SpongeBob SquarePants, or Squidward, Snoopy, or Sully from Monsters, Inc. Great. That's and just thank you so much, Ija, for, for giving all of these extra suggestions. Because that's really charitable. Because she's, of course, going, it's, I have many ideas. So uh, instead of just sharing the one that I used, I'll share a bunch of them. So that's great. Especially with fictional characters, too. Because the fictional universe is so vast that it's impossible for us to even come close to uh, listing all the names. Okay, next we have a bunch of shared movie scenes. So this is when people are trying to put everything together and... Come up with a scene to remember a character. Now, uh, the first one we're going to go over is actually for a fairly simple character, yo, which means uh, either again in the past or it can mean uh, sort of it has an ancient meaning of right hand. Now, Ija says my actor is Adina Menzel. That was mine too. Uh, and then the set, the Alfred, my training hospital out outside the country with a great outdoor park and out and outside don't sound like OU in Chinese but they're spelled the same so obviously OU and outside or OU and outdoor are spelled the same as the OU and in yo or yo in this case now Adina Menzel was hospitalized for a bad anxiety attack about not being on a Broadway show for a long time. <laughs> she wanted to relive the experience once again. She locked herself in the bathroom, put on a cat ear earband, and started singing Memory from the musical Cats about reliving your memories. On the top of her lungs with a banana <laughs> as her microphone, extended version, she was euphoric with tears in her eyes and thought, hey, maybe I could audition for this. The cool reality is, 
Cats is no longer on Broadway. <laughs> Should we say cruel reality or maybe a glorious reality? Anyway, <laughs> so that's a pretty funny scene, especially because, uh, you know, I... I picked Idina Menzel because she was a major uh, Broadway actress in the two Broadway shows that ever got my attention, which were Rent and uh, Wicked. And uh, she was the main character in Wicked. And uh, so she's very um, big personality and, of course, an incredible voice. And so this is a really... This is a scene that really gets into what the actor would be feeling. And um, she wants to go back to her memories in the past and relive them again. So it's she's, she's really tapping into an emotional experience that people have of nostalgia. And uh, so this is just about perfect. I, you know, I can't really see anything that I would change about this scene. So, um, you know, may, maybe... Uh, the cat ear earband, I'm assuming, is the, um, yeah, that must be the, what we recommended is Dr. Spock, because you've got that, the first stroke, the, which is like a double stroke, but it's one, it's considered one stroke. It kind of looks like a pointy ear, and so the only thing I would say is that maybe that is not interacting quite enough in the scene, but I'm, I'm not really worried about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point you went, oh, what was that? There was something on her ear. I don't remember what it was. If that, if that happens, you just want to get it more involved in the scene in some way, but that's an awesome scene. Okay. Another one from Ija. This is from make a movie for two, which means to take or pick up. Like you'll usually use this character by itself to one of the most common ones is which means uh, to get your package that's downstairs. So you'll go and it's just to pick it up or take it, um, go get it right now. Her actor is the queen because of course has that sound in it and so that's a world leader and then the props are alexander hamilton and a big pair of ears okay so and of course the ear component is the left side here and she must have chosen alexander hamilton to be her representation of yo on the right the queen and hamilton were having a discussion regarding the battle of yorktown in my childhood bedroom okay nice i like how we're starting here <laughs> He's, he, start, he started with, Your Majesty, lend me your ears. And her suddenly grew in size. <laughs> I love this. All right. He said that as the Secretary of Treasury, he had the ability to print unlimited money and brokered a deal for the withdrawal of British troops to give his army a quick win at Yorktown, as he needed to bolster his reputation with George Washington. <laughs> this is so, so good, I can't even believe it. She agreed, and he proceeded to withdraw a wad of cash from a shiny new ATM nearby. <laughs> the Queen grinned from ear to ear. I love it. I love it. This is so perfect. Taking money out of an ATM. Yeah, that's another thing. Is the the ATM is the chu quan qi taking out money from the ATM. This perfect scene, and I love the historical references. It's funny. <laughs> Lend me your ears, and she just oh, I'll just grow them in size. <laughs> perfect. All right, William on make a movie for huai, which means it's opposite of hao. It means like bad or rotten or you know just a uh, sort of morally bad, not necessarily porn quality that would be cha okay i've got my hu actor which is the hulk in the bathroom of my ai set my props are a cube of minecraft soil mm -hmm, that's the soil part and a no smoking sign because the right side component is boo or no so no smoking signs fairly visual all right so the hulk arrives in the bathroom and sees the cube of soil and a no smoking sign Thinking that he's a bad boy, and with a cheeky smile on his face, he grabs some of the soil, rolls it into a cigarette, smokes it, and then splutters and coughs because it tasted bad. Perfect. I, I love it. That's exactly what you want to get out of that. You have this no smoking sign. What does that no smoking sign imply? Well, you know, it's bad to smoke here, essentially. And then he's like, oh, I'm a bad boy. Cheeky smile, too. Get that cheeky smile facial expression in there. Perfect. Love it. Okay, next we have... Uh, William again on make a movie for Gong. Wow, William submitted a lot of stories this week. Thank you. All right, uh, I've got my granddad outside the entrance of my to my uni. Uh, so granddad represents G, and the uni is is O N G, and the props are 
Popeye's arm. Yep, yep, absolutely. And a Magic 8 Ball. So the Magic 8 Ball is the top component and Popeye's arm, which we recommend is elbow, but it's kind of, I could see how it could be Popeye's arm. Um, they are the two components, top and bottom, respectively. Okay, upon arriving to uni, I noticed that my granddad is waiting there for me in a tank top with massive Popeye arms, ridiculous multicolored shorts, and a hat with a magic eight ball attached to it. Okay, all right, I got it. <laughs> I like the multicolored shorts idea. Um, I exclaim, Granddad, what are you wearing? You can't wear that in public. <laughs> Yep, sure. So the idea of public is kind of sometimes it could be a little bit abstract because theoretically almost anywhere in that you are, unless you're inside a, you know, a house is public or I guess inside a, a private building. And so like anywhere outside is pretty much public. So you're like, OK, uh, how do I get this going? And that's a good association. Ah, you can't wear that in public. And so uh, perfect. All right. Next. All right. No, uh, this is the make a movie for Jian, which means simple. We have, I've got my J.I. actress removing everything from the living room of my A.N. set. Everything except for the giant bamboo light fittings and a metronome representing interval. Ah, yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, beneath them. Opting for a more simple layout. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, because of, of course, the bottom component, uh, Jian means interval when it's by itself. So going for the metronome rep representing the interval makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, they use metronomes even in interval training at the gym, but of course metronomes are most commonly associated with music, but still I like that association as a prop. And then uh, going with the simple room. I mean, I would say that with this scene, it's possible that you'll end up finding it to be like, I think there maybe could be better associations with simple you could find, uh, but this may work. See, this is the type of scene that I would say, take note of whether or not you remember this. Like if you don't remember this, you might've actually gone too simple. <laughs> but I mean, we do like to keep our scenes simple and that's really key. So, uh, yeah, everything except for the giant bamboo light fittings and a metronome beneath them, opting for a more simple layout. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that may work. The only problem is there could be other associations with this idea. Like, it could be um, frugality, or it could be that you're trying to say something about the metronome, or maybe, you know, it's just the kind of thing you want to bear in mind that in, in six months... This may not be clear that simple was the concept here. Whereas, like, I think of something, like, when I think of simple... I think of things that got simplified. So perhaps um, you could have a series of objects that have a more complex version and a simpler version. So you can imagine like uh, you've got a grand piano and then you've got like a toy piano and then you've got uh, a huge uh, NBA perfectly made uh, basketball net and then you've got like a kid's toy basketball net and you've got these different simplified versions of things. That's a possibility, but just use that if you end up forgetting this one, uh, William. Okay. Next, we have William again on the make a movie for S, and this is uh, the character that means to operate something. So, like a Suji is the the one who operates a machine, and they're a driver. And then we say, okay, we have the Gong Su, which is the public operation or a company, right? So, uh, let's see here. We've got I've got Stephen Hawking outside the entrance of my childhood home. Sure, Stephen Hawking represents S, S-I, there's no final, and so we have, uh, in its first tone, so we're outside the childhood home. We're with the pincers, rolling stone's mouth, and razor blade. Stephen needs the razor blade, uh, yeah, Stephen needs the razor blade separate from the mouth, but he can't do it in his current state, being in a wheelchair and all. So he uses his speech synthesizer to transform his wheelchair into a giant robotic suit and a giant pincer hands and operate, uh, pin, sorry, with giant pincer hands and operates the pincers to grab both the blade and the mouth so that they separate. Okay, well, sure. Yeah, I think that you can see that uh, clearly enough and how he's operating that. Uh, perhaps, you know, that, that association will end up, again, maybe being a little bit weak in the future because there's a lot of things that are going on there that there might be other things that you think you're trying to say there. So you're saying, okay, we need to, this could be, uh, 
that the Rolling Stone's mouth is needing surgery, and that's why he's doing this, because he needs to get the thing out of his mouth, right? the razor blade out of his mouth. And so it's possible that the association won't be clear, but then again, operating heavy machinery, that type of thing is clear, uh, doing an operation, like it's kind of a surgical operation. So I think it probably will work. I just wanted to, you know, it, it's important to sometimes see, okay, this could easily be interpreted another way. But then again, when you think about it from the perspective of, well, you're going to remember Stephen Hawking's there, and you're going to remember that the pincers and the Rolling Stones mouth and the razor blade were there, and and there's nothing related to surgery that has any of those, like the word surgery anyway, that uh, has anything to do with, do with those three ob- or four objects. So it's like, well, you know, uh, it's unlikely you'll forget. All right. Next, make a movie for D, which means ground. I've got my DI actress in the bathroom of my childhood home with the props Minecraft cube soil and a pet scorpion. Sure, Absolutely. My DI actress discovers upon entering the bathroom that the cube of soil and her scorpion are being naughty and making the bathroom a complete pigsty. The soil is throwing itself into the left wall, uh, throwing itself into the left wall, okay, I can imagine, and her scorpion is stinging things with its tail on the right wall. Good, positioning. I see what he's doing there. He's getting the positioning right. With a horrified look, my DI actress yells, you're grounded. And of course, you might want to even have her going, hmm. You're grounded, and then the, the um, I don't know how Minecraft soil could have a sad face, but you might be able to pull it off, and then the, the uh, scorpion could just be like, oh, and walk towards the towards their bedroom where they'll be grounded. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that's a good association because you're in your childhood home, which is, if you're ever grounded, that's where it would have happened, you know, so that's good. And of course, I think it's kind of interesting. William will sometimes use these um, these options for expressing the meaning that are abstract despite the fact that ground is actually kind of a a concrete thing you can imagine the ground or the you know soil below you in some way uh as you know being right there but it is kind of everywhere so it's hard to figure out that well that's the thing i mean so having this your grounded idea makes it uh distinct okay now next this is the final movie scene share This is the make a movie for R, which is a character that is only really necessary to learn for the purpose of learning the pronoun ni, because it's a major component in the pronoun uh, for you. And so it's not necessarily all that important to learn in the early days, although it will be used a lot in the uh, in people's names. So name transcriptions. And so it also has an ancient meaning of like thou. So like the sort of. uh, Wherefore art thou, right? Okay. I've got two Jackie Chans in my scene for this one, taking place in the living room of my childhood home. My props are a red bow tie and an atom. The two Jackie Chans are performing the play Romeo and Juliet in my living room, complete with Shakespearean attire, and Juliet wearing a long blonde wig. Perfect. (laughs) Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo, says Juliet. In comes Romeo, bursting into the room, Hi, Jules. Sorry I'm late, bro. Here's a gift. Romeo then hands her an atom with a big red bow tie. Alright, so this is kind of a silly uh, scene, but it's, of course, right at the moment of saying thou. And that's sudden. You know, normally we don't encourage using audio, but that's one of those so automatically. Uh, sorry, it's not that we don't. We discourage audio. We, would discourage, we definitely encourage using sound. We just don't encourage having the main point of the scene being. Uh, the sound that somebody's making, but in this case, because that's such a commonly, it's like one of the most common lines in all of Shakespearean literature, and everybody studies it in the Western world, so it's like, well, at the moment where she says, uh, thou, and then of course you add in the comedy, because of course suddenly Romeo's like, oh, uh, hey Jules, sorry I'm late, bro, (laughs) then it kind of and then the Adam being the gift. I mean, the fact is, this is kind of a zany scene, and it, I don't know if it's all that. It may just be memorable just because of how random it is, but on the other hand, it's not that important of a character because it's only used as a major component in other characters, so I think you'll be fine. Even, and I think you'll still remember it anyway because this is that was so silly. All right, cool. Next, uh, we'll move on from the movie scene shares into some uh, further questions. So Will Henry on new vocabulary unlocked Tida. Uh, so this is the character Zida for to remember something. In this context, the character should be pronounced D. 
right? I don't see that mentioned this on this page, and I'm afraid some learners may think this word is pronounced G-day. Or am I missing something which is clarified? Well, first of all, I did clarify this because uh, you're right, Will. I didn't uh, exactly write that in the description. Um, and I think the reason why I missed it was because the pronunciation for the second character when it's by itself as a verb is day. And that means must or, sh or have to. And that is the only character of any significance. So there's like one... Uh, character. There's probably some other ancient characters or like an expression that's very, very strange that uses day. But in Mandarin, this is the only character that is pronounced D-E-I uh, when it is by itself as a verb. Every other context where it's not a verb, it's pronounced D. Uh, so, or D, but it's, it's, it's either D or D. But it's never day when it's not a verb. And so, uh, or sorry, I should say when it's not because it, when it's dual, it can be a verb as well. But it's it's when it's in the context that you can understand that the person is clearly saying, you have to do this, then that's when it is pronounced day. And, you know, those types of things, by the way, regarding pronunciation and regarding the different types of, uh, you know, when do I know it's this pronunciation or it's that pronunciation? And this is one of those things where I totally get why people want to ask this question. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. It seems weird. How could you possibly know? And But the answer is just, you'll know after you get enough uh, input. Because once you get enough input, you will just have seen it in the context where it's pronounced day and get it very clearly because you get to understand where verbs are, you understand where the various uh, you know times where it's clearly not a verb, and so you'll just know. And, and even cooler is you'll have situations where, like here's an example. So there's, um, there's a character that is normally pronounced sheng sheng and it means like a province you know in, in in china or maybe in canada or something sheng and sometimes though it is pronounced um xing xing and the first time i ever saw it pronounced xing was when i saw it in the word fan xing Fan xing, and you'd use that to say fan, fan xing zi, which means like to reflect upon yourself, you know, kind of like think about your life and reflect on your uh, actions, shall we say. And I noticed uh, that there was a there was a, a, a new word that contained that character, and again, the character in and of itself doesn't give any indication whether or not it's sheng or xing. And by the way, when it's pronounced sheng, it can also mean to save money, right? So, and then I saw it um, in a different context where it was basically saying like that somebody had passed out, right? And I just knew that it must be pronounced xing in that context and not sheng. And I was like, well, how do I know that? It's just there was some part of my brain that went, well, think about this categorically. When you're talking about fan xing, you're reflecting on your life, you're thinking about stuff. When you're talking about sheng, you're either talking about a political border or you're talking about saving money. Clearly, if somebody is in the uh, you know context of uh, fainting or losing consciousness, then they are not talking about political borders or saving money. Right. So that was and it wasn't something I consciously thought of. I just saw it. And because of the context of the surrounding text, I knew this must be pronounced. Xing. And I took note of it at the time because I was like, this is really cool. How could it be that I just remembered that I just figured that out? And so it's, it's one of those things where when you look at different pronunciations of characters, it can be an intimidating thing as a uh beginning learner but just remember that in the future you're going to have the help of context and that help is robust it's fairly robust the help you'll get from context um so let me just make sure sheng and xing are the keys there i'm just going to write that down because uh i want to make sure that you guys can get that on the screen our video editor uh lenka is excellent but she uh she doesn't speak chinese so i have to <laughs> we have to give those little Bits of uh, advice to her here. All right, so that's Sheng. And then we have Fan Xing. Fan Xing. Awesome. Cool. All right, so next we have Garth Grescu on problem initial Z, Han Zi, and Zi. 
Garth says, and by the way, Garth's been leaving these cool, like, creative messages. He's kind of, I think he's looking at our course from a very, like, um, wide-angle lens. I, bet, I get the sense that Garth is a very creative guy. All right, so... Chinese pronunciation compared to English and many other languages is like comparing percussion instruments, especially piano performance, to all other instruments, for example, brass woodwinds, strings that can allow for modification of the tone after the attack. And, uh, Garth, you're, you're a man after my own heart. I'm a percussionist uh, since I was nine years old, and I think this a lot about Chinese, how Chinese comparatively to other languages is quite staccato. Right, you're going to get a lot more attack. You're going to get a lot more, um, and I mean, sure, there are tones, but they're somewhat set comparatively. Like, so if I imagine playing a marimba, uh, you're going to get different tones, but it's going to be very percussive. And timpani, for example, timpani is a, a drum where you hit it, and you can actually change the tone with a pedal below. After you hit it, so you can go like boom, boom. So that could be like. Ma, right? You could get that tone in there. You could go boom if you wanted to. And that would be more, uh, you know, the falling tone. And so there's definitely a percussive element to it. Um, Right? Right? So I said, like, every day for me in China when I'm speaking Chinese, I think that Chinese sounds like percussion, percussive instruments. So completely agree, Garth. And think about that just compared to French, by the way. Like, imagine somebody speaking French. I don't speak French, but if you can imagine how legato it sounds, it's much more like a flute, you know, or a, or a woodwind instrument. So Abigail on New Vocabulary Unlocked. Kuolai. Just to clarify, we should only be unsuspending one example for each usage in Anki and deleting the other cards. So, uh, never delete cards. I would recommend never deleting any cards in Anki. Now, suspending a card is effectively deleting it in the sense that you're not going to see it come up in your queue. But I wouldn't recommend deleting it completely because you may change your mind later and decide that you do want to use that sentence. So suspending it keeps it in your deck, but you just don't see it in your queue. Uh, if you want to delete it, then you're never going to see it again. So we've been actually getting a lot of feedback recently from people saying, it seems like there's too many sentences, especially in phase three, before you get to the larger context of larger stories. And so we're going to kind of encourage people to do a bit more on the side of things, which is like, uh, the, the sort of picking the one sentence per usage. And we might even give you some um, guidance on that. We'll see. We'll look through and decide, okay, we think this is the best sentence uh, for this particular character. So we'll bold it or something and say, if you want to just do one, you can do that one. And then you can look at the other sentences and say, okay, do I want to do this one or do I want to do that one? And you can decide for yourself. But perhaps if you only want to do one sentence per usage, you can choose those. As a matter of fact, that's a good idea to the point where I'm sure that we'll do it. Uh, when we'll get to it, because we're busy with a lot of stuff right now, I'm not sure. But what we'll do is we'll highlight or bolden a particular sentence. <clears throat> and by doing that, what we'll effectively achieve is the ability to um, choose only to do the main sentence and then the other sentences will be optional. Because by doing it that way, you can save yourself some time. Now, it's higher quality if you go through each individual sentence. But there are a lot. So I can understand why people would be like, it seems like I'm spending a lot of time on sentences. I want to feel like my progress through the characters is going a bit faster. And you can always go back and do those sentences again later. And that's, uh, you know, that's not a bad way to go about it. So here's a way you could go about the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. Because there's a lot of ways. You could learn the characters, learn the words, and learn the most important sentence, right? And then, after you've gotten through the whole course, up until level 36 for now, we will we will expand, but uh, goes to level 36 for now, character 592. You could then go back and then unsuspend all of those sentences you didn't do, and by then, you're going to know the vast majority of the words, so you'll, you'll fly through the sentences, because it's not like you're learning the words at the time. You'll be going back through it with 
a larger knowledge base. And so you'll be getting that input that's all comprehensible. So that's an option as well. Okay, Ija on make a movie for one. Interesting to have an ear component in a character that means to smell. Made me curious about the etymology of this one. You know, I noticed that too. Um, you know, when I started this, uh, started, you know, learning Chinese. And it's kind of interesting uh, how the print like you know a character like this that has ear in the middle of a door and i always thought of this and this is not i'm not saying this is the etymology i do not know what the etymology is off the top of my head but i always thought of it as like the, the your sense of smell is you know very um sort of internal it's like you know kind of in the middle between your two ears where you're getting that sense of smell and it's almost like there's a door around it i always imagine there's like a door uh opening to smell because you can hold your breath but it, i mean you can cover your ears i suppose but you can't really like stop yourself from hearing things but you can hold your breath and stop yourself from smelling something so it's almost like i can close the door on smell if i want to it's kind of a weird way of me imagining it but that was something that helped me remember it as uh meaning smell and not having to do with uh hearing something Next, we have Ija on new vocabulary unlocked, Jiao which means to make friends. And so this character, Jiao, has a really interesting type of set of usage usages. It's and fundamentally, if you really were to break all of them down, they come down to being related to how human beings exchange information or uh, trade or have some kind of interaction that's a bit of an exchange in some way and so the most broad extraction we we could take from that would be like intercourse so there's an intercourse of social there's social intercourse there's monetary intercourse there's something where there's human beings moving between each other and exchanging things and so it's kind of a broad concept and so it can be used uh means um social media so like you is society jiao is social so it's kind of like a social intercourse right and then you have um uh jiao fang zu which would mean to give your rent or jiao fei which just means to to hand over your payment for something and so there's lots of that's a form of intercourse and of course if you wanted to say in a formal, you know, academic set, setting, sexual intercourse, you could say xing jiao. And um, the she he just said I couldn't help but think that since the keyword for jiao was intercourse, jiao peng you would mean friends with benefits. And hey, that's a good association. I mean, obviously, it's not the meaning of it. Um, <laughs> there actually there is a word for that. Um, <laughs> the word for that is pao you, pao you. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend using this word lightly uh, if you're in China, but th that is the word for friends with benefits. But you still have the yo of peng yo, but instead you have uh, the first word, uh, which is pao, which means like a cannon explosion. So uh, read into that as you'd like. But um, that's a good way to come up with an association with a new word that is, you know, quick and it will make you kind of, you know, laugh at it and whatever. Gary Werner on the last uh, uh, last video from the Pronunciation Mastery. Gary says, finish the course today. Very happy that I invested in Mandarin Blueprint. See you two at the top of the Chinese Learning Mountain. Thanks for the excellent content. Well, we're, we're waiting for you there, Gary, and keep, keep it up. You know the path now. So there's, you know, keep going through the Mandarin Blueprint method. Your pronunciation, if you got through that, if your pronunciation is strong, it will help you, you know, the rest of your time learning Chinese. There's never a point where pronunciation is not going to be useful. So just keep being better today than you were yesterday and you'll get there. Thank you very much for the kind words. Finally, last uh, comment from this week. This is from a YouTube video. How much does talent matter when learning Chinese this is one of our videos. And this is Andrea Blengini. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Andrea says, I'd like to thank you both for your hard work. It is helping me a lot with my pronunciation. My native language is Spanish. My second one is English. And my third, although very poor, is French. So Chinese is mixing some tongue positions and also vowels and consonants present in those three languages. Plus, it has the visual complexity of hanzi with all the language levels attached to them. 
I teach chemistry, so symbols and hidden meanings plus structures made my little made by little blocks are familiar to me. That's kind of a cool connection there. Maybe that's why I'm really enjoying the hard work that it takes to train my brain to fully understand Chinese in all its different levels. Thank you very much again. You are part of my pathway to this amazing way of communicating. I love this analogy to uh, chemistry because a lot of hands are just like this. They have this, um, uh, they have this feeling like you're just kind of putting the building blocks together and creating new elements. And that's very much, of course, like how chemical compounds work. And, uh, you know, the also the the changing between the languages, changing between Spanish, French, and Chinese. This is one of the reasons why I think becoming a polyglot is so fascinating because polyglots can tell they can extract out of the many languages what is the common commonality between them. And that's one of the things that I find so uh, endlessly fascinating about Chinese is how you can take, you know, two concepts that two different sets of languages evolved a um, sort of set of thinking about, a set of concepts around, and then you can look at the same concept, something that's very similar, that the concept itself exists in the language, but because the initial sort of building blocks were slightly different, a whole other set of, a whole different but similar in its basis set of ideas and conclusions and ways of thinking about that concept evolved over time. And it's just fascinating to watch. It does have chemistry type analogies. Of course, it does have the, um, you know, it's so cool. You get the Spanish, French, and English different tongue positions to be able to tell how the Chinese pronunciation works. And uh, we're so happy we would be able to help. And please keep it up. Uh, and we'll see you hopefully on the Mandarin Blueprint Method. So that's it for this week. If you guys have any questions, uh, you can send it into contact at mandarinblueprint.com. As always, you can get us on social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, even Reddit. We're on all those places. And, uh, of course, one of the things that we'd really like to uh, ask for on occasion is that you leave us a review on Facebook or a review on iTunes. I mean, you're listening to this over uh, some type of podcast app. So if you go over to iTunes and leave us a rating there, that actually is surprisingly helpful. Uh, although I did read an article yesterday that... Uh, that uh, I heard about an article yesterday that Apple might be phasing out iTunes. But still, Stitcher or Spotify, you can leave us a rating there as well. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.